0: Hey there Novice Lita's listeners, I'm just cutting in here to point out a little bit of a technical issue that we had with this episode. So we did something a little bit different with the recording of this episode, and as a result, Isaac at a certain point, his track just cuts out completely. Um, I did the best that I could to minimize that so you shouldn't notice, but when he returns, his audio quality changes uh, for the rest of the show. So I hope you can bear with us, but anyway, enjoy the show. and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy with your hosts, Michaela, Isaac and Caleb. Listen in as they discuss the 1973 film Female Prisoner Scorpion, Be Stable.
1: Welcome once again, ladies, gentlemen, and all those in between to another edition of The Novice Elitis. Tonight we're doing uh, female Prisoner 701, Beast Stable.
0: Yes, Beast Stable. I'm, I'm very curious to hear what you guys thought about this film because this has always been one that I've had very divided thoughts on where I love it in certain elements, but by the end I just don't know how I feel about it.
2: I'm just going to go right out the gate. I hate this film. I hate this film um, compared to the other two. The only redemption would be uh, kind of towards the end, and I don't know if we want to talk about that. But
0: Oh, that's interesting.
2: What I really liked about um, the previous films was the fact that, uh, you know, uh, it was so unhinged and it felt like a fever dream almost, where it was like, oh, they're all very isolated. It's in this prison, just a bunch of crazy women, um, and they're, they're, they're violent women to be, like, I don't want to say violent women to begin with, but they're all criminals in some sort of right to begin with, whether or not that's justified. Um, and they're all just just trying to survive. And that's why it was really cool to see them violent. Um, but in this film, no, this is just everyday society where men are the worst and women are just always violated for absolutely no reason, it seems. It just seems like every man in this whole entire... There's no good man. Like, zero good men. And, um... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, because it's in the real world, it loses that fever dream sequence, and you just kind of have to be like, oh, okay, this is how these people in this world treat people in this world.
0: Yeah,
1: Isaac, do you have anything to say before we uh, use your initial thoughts? This one is not like the first one, absolutely. It is much more... One thing I noticed about it was that uh, as we continued on the films, or as, you know, the, the films increased the cast is reduced in a way. This film is very much focused on Matsu
0: and Yuki, which is definitely one of the elements that I think is super strange. Like, they brought back the same actress from the first movie. They got her playing another character called Yuki, which is maybe the same character or maybe not. And in the similar way, but in a way that doesn't work as well, it also seems like they're paralleling them as the same character in a way. I don't know if you guys understand what I mean in that by that. Because even I don't. But
2: When I first watched the film, I was just like, okay, this is the same actress, right? But because we didn't know the character in the first place in the first film, where her whole entire thing was just being like, oh, I'm kind of innocent. And I'm going to be a foil to Matsu. Um, so she was just essentially a foil where I was just like, okay, no character. That's fine. But now we give her a character. And I think that totally... Like, what? I didn't even realize they were the same character. and uh, I knew they were the same actor, but I was like, if they were to play it as if it was a completely different person, I would believe it, you know?
0: Well, that's the thing, is it's it's only the same character in the sense that it's the same actress with the same name. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, that's that's the thing, is I don't really understand fully... I, I guess I'll lay my cards on the table with, with this film um, right, on, right off the bat, but I think it was on my second viewing I started to think, is this movie, like, a weird... Or at least part of the movie, I should say. Is it like a weird uh, Matsu in Purgatory kind of thing? Where it's like Yuki's back. They both have that weird just kind of drawn-together connection that's never explained, just like in the first movie. And just like in the first movie, Yuki's almost like her human side embodied. Maybe? <laughs> like, I again, I don't think these things really... It's almost like it's there, but then it doesn't quite connect right. But then, yeah, then it just completely leaves that plot behind and goes back to prison and becomes a completely different movie. And then I don't know what to think anymore. And I don't know if the movie is so smart that I'm missing it or if it's just incoherent and there's nothing to get for.
2: (laughs) It could be both. Definitely could be both.
0: I'm just, every time I watch it, I'm left completely baffled. But with Jailhouse 41, I'm baffled in a good way. This one, I'm baffled in kind of a negative way. So unfortunate but yeah, i agree but there are still some really cool things in this movie which we can get to I, I love the opening for one with matsu just kind of sitting like a zombie on the the train and those two cops show up and she just immediately jumps back into action and fucking chops off one of their arms uh-huh. I think it's a great way to start the movie but i don't think it ever really lives up to that great start
2: i mean i i can argue that where it's like i think one direction that I really like about this film is that they just go off the rails with um, Matsu, where it's just like, oh no, she's like a she's a vigilante. Like she, like I think in the previous film, it was just like she's barely a character. She's like an uncontained woman, um, and in this one they're just kind of like, oh no, she's kind of like uh, she's a Yeah, no, I, I I'll say that she's a vigilante, and I kind of really dig that about the about this film. Where it kind of solidifies her as like, oh yeah, she's here to kill cops and men. And that's fucking badass. So, I mean... It's,
0: it's interesting though because she does, at least a, during a certain point in the movie, she kind of gives up violence for a little bit.
2: Wasn't that because she had like a thing injected into her? I, I wasn't really sure what that was. No,
0: it starts when she decides not to kill the brother. Again,
2: oh, right, 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 right. it's like
0: Yuki's her human side. And the closer she is to Yuki, the more she, like, feels like a person. And she decides not to kill the brother. There's that shitty fucking creep neighbor who's like, either you be my woman or I'm turning you into the police. And, like, she kind of considers killing him, but she doesn't. And it's not until she sees that one girl who's who has that abortion and then ends up dying because of it that she, like, turns back to violence. Where she repeats that thing from the second movie, where she like moves the knife across her eyes, which I thought was a cool callback. But I thought it was really strange that she said that she was possessed by the spirit of that girl. I did not quite understand what that was about. Uh, any thoughts, Isaac?
1: <laughs> yes, Minnie. Uh, it's it could it could lead to more supernatural uh, elements, perhaps from the last film, bringing over maybe. And, then, and with the beginning, though, I love I love the uh, beginning part where she's running from the train, or in the train. It was a nice, like, almost one take. <laughs> you almost see, I think, uh, the cameraman trip. <laughs> it was pretty interesting. Yeah,
0: I love the way that was shot. That, that's the thing, I can't complain about this movie. I think it's well shot throughout, so.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I get Do you think the edit, not editing, but do you think the camera work gets better in with each film? Um... There's definitely a number of really stand-up
0: moments that I'll point out as we as we go through the movie, but, yeah, I... Because the first one was Shuna first film, so by this one, he's had a little bit more experience, and I feel like he's had a bit of a more assured hand. At least as a visual director, I feel like the second film is probably his best work that I've seen so far, but this one has a lot of great moments as well, so...
2: Okay, but I will... Okay, so I was about to, like, shit on this film entirely, okay? <laughs> like, um... I really 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 didn't like any of it like i think the only things i liked before a certain part of the film were like the costuming because i'm like oh yay the costume director can finally do something with everything and lo and behold she like they went like all out (laughs) i loved every single costume in this film it was very cool um and then the other thing that i liked was um the fact that they just made matsu a vigilante but like other than that i was just like no this this film's kind of garbage visually and like there's nothing like interesting even there's no like pretty colors even like yes it's like very 70s oh, what? What? kind of like um, bright colorful kind of thing but like it felt like a regular film almost and I think that's the biggest disservice I think you can do to the series oh interesting um, hmm. but uh, when Matsu gets into the sewers man oh man every, like every scene that had to involve the sewers amazing Masterpiece, visual spectacle. I loved
0: it. Yeah, Mikhail, you you might not know this, but my podcast listeners uh, should. Um, I'm obsessed with water on screen. Uh, it's the f- mm. I've even made a whole series focused on movies about it, and so I just adore those scenes in the sewer. Yeah, it's just so beautiful. And I love the the shot when like because um, Yuki's like dropping in some matches, and there's just like mm-hmm, this yeah. huge cascade of matches. I was like, oh, this this is getting back to the stuff that I really like by this director.
2: Yeah, like, it, it didn't really... It, it went back into that world of, like, symbolism and, like, surrealism where it was, like, oh, thousands of matches falling into the sewer. Um, and even the sewer water, like, I'm pretty sure the set director or the set uh, coordinator, um, like, put something in the water so it's like, blue and kind of bubbly. <laughs> um, and the sloshing of the water and the way that it contrasts with the yellow and the orange of the fire. And, like, uh, I think there was, like, even, like, a short coordinated fight scene in the sewer where um matsu takes like a pickaxe and (laughs) kills a guy and then that cop shoots his colleague uh like i everything in the sewer i think is amazing and that's what i i hate the fact that we were put in the real world quote unquote for this film because i think that is the biggest weakness to do to this film it kind of Live, it kind of lives or dies on the fact that you're in an isolated space and mm. you're kind of not sure if these people are, you know?
0: See, that's all interesting because um, at least my second and third viewing, which this is my third viewing today, I never really felt like it was the real world. I kept thinking, is this some sort of weird purgatory that she's stuck in? And it mainly comes down to the fact that Yuki's there. Because I'm like, Yuki died. I mean, so the fact that she's reunited with Yuki like... Is this a sort of afterlife existence that she's in? And she, like, has that thing where, like, she's trying to regain some sort of humanity, but it doesn't really (laughs) ever really go anywhere. But once we get to the sewers, I feel like that's when the movie changes into something that I don't like, even though I love it visually. I feel like that's when it stops kind of having any ideas and just becomes kind of a typical revenge plot, where she's just going to fight back against the cops and go back to prison and then kill that one chick so I feel like the movie completely lost its way by the time we got to the prison but again Isaac you're, you're kind of sound over there what are your thoughts on these things
2: uh,
1: it's only because it's I, I like hearing you guys talk and, and, and throw ideas around because I don't think I have as much of experience but I think you guys are much more passionate about this the, the, these sets of films than I am <laughs> Uh, again, not to say I don't like these films. I do love these films. It's just that you guys seem to have more ideas of it. Um, with the Yuki thing, I, I, guess, I guess it's an alternate story, like a what-if, almost, perhaps, of just, like, what if Yuki hadn't died and she had existed, or, like, this is her twin sister. It is the 70s, after all, so maybe she had another twin who's also named Yuki. Maybe different minimum, I have no idea. Or something like that. And, um or it's the omake as they would say in uh, in the manga world or the Japanese comic world I, I don't know how you'd say that but it's a remake almost of like the director's like I wanted to do more with this character and I want to see what it would be like if her how do, I, how do I put this lightly her um, brain damaged brother uh, gets along with her in, in, in a way if, if oh my mean. god <laughs> And like snails.
0: Yeah, well, that's another character where I thought kind of lent to my purgatory theory because he seemed like he was kind of a male and not quite the same, but kind of another version of Matsu at the beginning of this movie. Oh. Where, like, Matsu's become just basically, like, a creature of instinct, and her only instinct is to survive. Whereas the brother is a creature of instinct in another way, and that's just to basically just know, fucking eat <laughs> to put it in a grotesque sense and so I thought like maybe they're doing something where they're like we have these two people who are only like parts of people and then Yuki is kind of the center as like the only one who's a fully realized person but then again they just kind of abandon it and I don't know where it, it just kind of stops being about ideas I think, but again I don't know if it was really about the ideas in the first place because it all feels so incoherent so maybe I'm just filling in where well, there's nothing to fill in, but I really don't know. Yeah, it just makes the movie super frustrating, I gotta say. I, I enjoy it visually. Like, I, I adore the scene when Yuki and um, Matsu meet. <laughs> when Yuki's just uh, finishing up with a John, just kind of laying in a grave. And then she hears a weird sound and glances over and sees Matsu trying to break those handcuffs to that decapitated hand, and she has the hand in her mouth. <laughs> Like I, I think that's just such a hilarious moment, and Matsu is like, she keeps trying to go along, but she's making eye contact with Yuki, and it's just getting super awkward and funny. <laughs> but like, I, I love that moment. But
1: well, that was a, yeah, that was a weird scene. I was like, okay, there's something lewd going on here. Like it, the motion that Matsu's making it's when so she's weird. yeah when she's trying to like break the cuffs off. I get that she's trying to get break the cuffs off, but it was like. There's I don't know, I, I my my lew detector is, is going off. Oh, <laughs> well, I didn't I didn't get that sense. Okay. Because they just focused on it for like quite a bit.
0: I thought it was doing it for comedic relief. But I love Matsu's face, like she's so not used to interacting with other humans, like she doesn't know how to handle the situation. So she just like looks really anxious and awkward as she's just staring Yuki right in the eyes as she's doing this. <laughs> I thought it was an interesting way of kind of expressing how like not human she is at this point she's become mm-hmm. some just like weird I don't know what yeah but what'd you think about the brother character uh, Michaela?
2: I don't know I just uh, I'm super uncomfortable whenever there's like the topic of incest and um just like I don't know it's like again I, I understand that it's um I guess it's so to give a reason not to kill him um as opposed to like a. Uh, you know, Matsu killing every single rotten man that she sees. Um, (laughs) because obviously you don't want to kill your only friend's brother. Um (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't I have no idea. I kind of I kinda have no real opinion of him, especially just because it's like okay, yeah, he's supposed to be kind of a despicable person. But he's also here to serve as like a plot point to be like, okay, this is why Matsu's not gonna kill. This is why Yuki is staying in your situation. Like, you know, so yeah. I'm I'm not one hundred percent sure on how to feel about the brother character. I'm also not super into the way that like so what was the whole thing with him again? Like half his brain was dead or like did he have like what was his deal?
3: Well,
0: yeah, they said that he that he got brain damage from a factory accident. And so now he's just become like I said, kind of a being of instinct, except for the whole snail thing. That's the part where I don't understand where how that factors in.
2: I was kind of thinking that was like a, a nod to Uzumaki, but I was like, there's no way that Uzumaki was made before this film.
0: Um, yeah, that's a reference I don't understand. Uh, what, what do you mean?
2: Uh, Uzumaki? Mm-hmm. You, wait, so you don't understand it, or because you, have, you haven't read it, or you haven't heard of it, or...
0: Yeah, I haven't heard of it.
2: Oh, um, it's, uh, it's a Junji Ito thing.
1: Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah, him, right. Okay, yeah, no, sorry. I know exactly what you're talking about.
2: Yeah. Um. But I was just like, oh, what a gratuitous Junji Ito reference. And also, like, I'm pretty sure Junji Ito didn't make Uzumaki when this film was made. So that's why I was like, I think that could have been really interesting, the whole snail thing, if that was the case. But no, I think it was just like a weird fixation he had, unless I was supposed to know, like, oh, there's like symbolism of snails, which, in the popular imagination, there is not.
0: <laughs> well, I, I, I guess I can give the kind of bullshit symbolism that I thought it was for, because I, I can't help but, like, because of the first two movies, I can't help but thinking that there's a much more thoughtful vision behind this movie than maybe there is. <laughs> but I thought maybe the snail thing was supposed to be kind of his own spark of humanity to kind of mirror uh, Matsu's where he's like, even though he's been reduced to this kind of, you know, animal instinct type of being, he can still see Mm -hmm. beauty and more innocent things. And of course that's when Matsu decides not to kill him. And she kind of decides to swear off killing at that point. So it seems like there's something there. It just doesn't really feel like it's fully realized to me.
2: Oh yeah. But I mean, And forgive me if I'm wrong, because there's a lot of gratuitous sexual assault in this film. Too much. Was Yuki sexually assaulted by her brother?
0: I got the sense that that was the case initially. And then she made the conscious choice to be with him in order to avoid him doing it to other women. Yeah.
2: So... um, Which is
0: a pretty grotesque idea. And again, I don't understand what the purpose of it is.
2: It's an exploitation film, you know? Um, So, like... Yes, I think that theory would go very well if it was just like, oh, he has done nothing wrong and he has, like, this vigor for life and this this kind of innocence towards it. But, like, the fact that, like, oh, we should probably also make him a rapist I think defeats the purpose.
0: But I will just say there's one um, beautiful scene, I thought, with him, just in terms of uh, the cinematography. Mm. So, yeah, um, after that weirdo scene where Yuki and... Matsu meet in the cemetery for whatever reason Yuki decides to bring Matsu home which seems like a terrible choice because the fucking weirdo has a decapitated arm (laughs) attached to her mouth as as they met Mm. but then the brother decides to sexually assault Matsu because he's a man in this world and then Matsu like pulls out a knife and she's gonna kill him but Yuki stops it and they do this really cool shot where they shoot from above them all and Yuki's like, please don't kill my brother. And during the whole scene, the brother is just staring at the audience from—he's like at the bottom of the right-hand side of the frame. It's a really cool scene, and I loved it visually. But uh, again, I don't really like the brother character. But I just thought I'd point that out because I was like, that's a really cool kind of arresting mm-hmm. image. But yeah, most of the most of the Yuki and her brother stuff, I I just don't know what to think about it at all because the incest part is disturbing but it it feels like it should be saying something but it never really comes to anything so it's just kind of frustrating the whole aspect of it Hmm. yeah and again I'll just say with Yuki I feel like in parts of this movie they're trying to mirror the two characters with her and Matsu as if they're one side's the same person like there's that scene um, when Yuki shows up and she's like can you murder my brother for me like I hate him and she's like if you don't murder him like she kinda of threatens to turn in Matsu to the police and Matsu just slaps her across the face. And then right after that they do this thing where, um, Yuki goes out to meet some Johns, but before she leaves she drops her matchbox that she was using to give the guys a show. And then Matsu, like, picks up the matchbox and she lights a match and she like starts to cry. But as they're doing it, like each time Matsu lights a match, Yuki puts on her lipstick a little bit more. You know, it's like they're clearly trying to show something between like, constantly jumping between these two shots like this, but I don't fully know what. And then right after Yuki decides not to murder her brother, that's when that asshole neighbor basically threatens Matsu, like, if you don't be my sex servant or whatever, and turning to the police. And they do this thing where Matsu's in bed with the poster like, highly to Rape right next to her, and she's thinking about killing him. And then they cut right to Yuki laying in bed with her brother with the knife right above her highlighted, and she's thinking murder of the brother, Sounds I was like the, there's some sort of weird parallel, but I don't fully get what it is, and it's super annoying that I don't understand it after three viewings, but uh, did you guys get anything from those those scenes where they were doing that, or
2: <laughs> well, go ahead Isaac, if, no no need to jump in <laughs> yeah, <it's nice. laughs> Oh, his ladies first,
1: but uh, no. With, with actually, with I do have one thing. Well, with the um, with the snail, I should have interjected before, but I don't, I don't like interrupting people. It's all good, man. Um, I'll go with a very basic audience interpretation of a uh, snail is s- slow, and so is the brother. That's that's all I can get.
2: Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: It could, could be, but how about how about the other thing? That's the snail thing. I don't really have much to say. But.
1: Yeah, no, the the other thing.
0: <laughs> I really did feel like he was saying something there, but I just uh, I don't know if I'm missing an element that would make it come together more, or if it's just stylistic flourishes with no
1: meaning. But yeah, uh, that's you know, that's. Let me ask you this: not to not to redirect or anything like that, but just ask, you. Caleb, is this like us for you?
2: Oh, is this men?
0: Uh, we're talking about the Jordan Peele film, Us. because. Oh,
2: okay. Oh, I was just like, oh, you two are, oh, okay. No, sorry. That was awkward. Um...
1: Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, okay. I got it now. <laughs> um,
2: to be honest, I've never really watched Us. Um, I think I watched the first 10 minutes and then I wasn't bored or anything. I was just extremely tired. So I passed out.
0: That's fair. Yeah. The The background with, with Us is I've always been a big surrealist guy. And so when Us came out, a whole bunch of people came out and were like, "Us is like a brilliant kind of modern-day surrealist piece," mm-hmm. and I said basically the opposite. And so is that is that what you're asking, Isaac? If I feel like I have the same complaints where it just doesn't quite come together as a surrealist piece or a real piece, or what are you trying to say?
1: Yeah, like this, you you were expecting like another like really brilliant surreal film, almost with with tons of symbolism, and what you got is kind of. A normal, like, vigilante revenge story, as Michaela put it. But I don't think it is. That's that's the big issue, is I feel like
0: part of it is that. I feel like the end of it is exactly that. Okay. Um, once that girl gets the abortion and Matsu becomes, I guess, possessed by this the girl, then it becomes a straight revenge piece. But basically, up until the point that that neighbor's wife gets jealous and decides to kill Matsu... It feels like a weird piece where Matsu's in some sort of purgatory with Yuki and she's trying to come to peace with what she is and become a human again and then it just stops being that. <laughs> At least that's my interpretation. I mean, I could be... You know me. I mean, I can be completely full of shit when it comes to weird surrealist stuff. Like, I my brain goes off in a million directions. So I could be completely reading into things that aren't actually there. I I, I really don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's fine.
0: But once that, once we get that bizarre scene in the bar, when that neighbor's wife, which I actually really like that scene, by the way, when she's just in there drinking and they do like that weird thing where they cut out every other frame.
1: Yes. That one. That was pretty cool.
0: I thought that was a really cool sequence. And she like imagines that Matsu's calling her on the phone and she goes and like, um, has that scene where she's like going crazy and boils some water and throws it on that husband of hers. That, that's when the movie completely changes gears and becomes something that I don't understand at all, but but I really love all the stuff before that, I'll just say
1: oh yeah, and also I forgot to completely mention, but Matsu actually talks in this film, it's almost yeah. 20 minutes into it, but like she at least she speaks, it's great it's, it's wonderful, not that I had a complaint of that last time I like that she didn't speak to, not in that way, but I, I like that the whole idea was—it was—it was, was, it was, it was interesting that they didn't have her talk the whole movie, and now she's actually talking. I, I like that. That was—that was a good choice. Yeah, and she smiles. She she cries. I mean, she basically becomes a human again. Oh man, like, yeah. Remember, I want to go back to that. I, you know, my my comment from the first one, but like, you know, I wonder if the implications of of Matsu and Yuki being air quotes lovers at all are a thing even though they give each other glances and it could be just (laughs) like you know true friends I'll say that like like you I can call you like my friend and I get you
0: yeah and 100% I think the reason that I find this movie so frustrating is because I ran into the relationship so much in the first movie that I just kept looking for it in this movie and it just didn't satisfy that so maybe my maybe my frustration is my own fault for reading into it so much but but I guess, Michaela, you said that you felt the same frustration, so maybe maybe it's just a frustrating movie.
2: <laughs> yeah, where it's just like, I don't know, with the... I kind of think I would have been more excited if it was just barely a cohesive film and it was just like a bunch of flashing images and colors with Matsu in it for whatever reason. Like, <laughs> I, the, way, the way that... It, the, the progression from the first movie, then the second movie, then this film, like, I think I would have been a, a lot more... Um, surprised with that but like the fact that like I could see some of the internal logic of this film like not in in, like what the director was saying but like oh like yeah this sex ring wants to like control sex workers and are very violent to them and like Yuki has to stay at home with her brother because like or else like I mean that's her brother and like he's very dangerous and needs to be protected things like that Um, like the fact that I could see that internal logic in, in the world was just like I was just so done with it I was I was ready to be kind of like okay um, what the fuck is going to happen in this film where Matsu is just going to go off the rails uh, what is like unjustifiable but because it is just so heavy misandry like what is it going to be like What like I was ready for like a ride almost where I was like okay I know what the first two films prepped me for what extreme sense of misandry and and violence and just nonsensical um, storytelling can I be set up for and like I don't know this film kind of had a coherent plot where it was like oh yeah like Matsu's trying to live low she gets involved with like sex workers and the gangs and you know everything and they know her and now the police want Matsu because they know her and she ends up kill- like it, it, it wasn't like this sense of cool surrealist fantasy anymore. It was still more like, Oh, I kind of get why Matsu is doing everything she's doing. And I kind of get why everyone doesn't like Matsu. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. no, I think it does make sense. Maybe, maybe I'm just, I was viewing it so differently at the start of the movie than what it turned into. Or at least how I perceived it turning into, maybe it was, maybe I just looked at it wrong from the start. Mm. Sorry, now my brain's going off in a million directions, but...
2: That's okay. I feel like I had a lot to say about the second film, but with this film, it was just like, I like the costuming, and I like the sewer scene. And, oh, and like that scene with the eyes, um, with the, where Matsu takes the scalpel from... Uh, the lady who just had a very forced abortion. Um, like, when she drew the scalpel across her eyes, I don't think it made sense. It, like, it was beautiful visually, I think, or it was interesting visually, but it did call to my primal, like, a primal fear I have because my biggest phobia by far is getting stuff in my eye. So, I mean, it called to that. But, like, other than that, I can't really think of anything else remarkable about the film where I, I think there were so many images in my head uh, that haunted me with the second film. And this Mm -hmm. one, it really didn't. I mean, I did
0: like the callback to the second film in that moment there, but it did make me wonder about that old woman in the second film. Mm. Like, maybe she was some sort of spirit of vengeance that Mm. possessed her at that time and made her less human. And maybe for the rest of the film, she is actually possessed by that that woman who got the abortion. I, I really... I don't know <laughs> i don't know if her she was just saying that to be like a badass or if that was genuine but <laughs> it's definitely definitely odd
2: about which about which which person again in this film
0: yeah because um there's that sex worker who the mob decides like hey you know you're pregnant
2: ah, okay 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 go ahead Yeah, and they do that
0: abortion scene which, again, they kind of parallel with Yuki again, which I thought was strange, which started to make me wonder if the paralleling was just for stylistic purposes. Mm. Because we see Yuki going to the abortion clinic at the same time that that sex worker is getting forcibly aborted. Mm. And then, I can't remember who Yuki is killing, because there's those two leaders of the gang. There's the female one, and then her kind of male counterpart, who's kind of the lesser leader. Mm-hmm when she kills the male one she's like I was possessed by the the woman that um that you aborted and so again I was wondering like does she mean that literally or is she saying that just as a like I saw this brutality and I felt compelled to kill you I I really wasn't sure (laughs) especially because then she lifts up her hand and a crow flies out of it and I was like what the fuck (laughs) that was such a strange moment do you guys remember that or
2: <laughs> uh, the crow?
0: Yeah, when she kills the the male big gang leader, she raises up oh, her yeah. hand and a crow sitting in it, and just flies at his face.
2: <laughs> yeah, but like, okay, I, I I did I do remember that bit, but again, I don't think it was set up in a way that like it was supposed to be cool imagery or just like like I don't know. There's just nothing reverent or beautiful about anything anymore. It was just like oh, like even I think there was a crow thing where. Um, like, at least a bird thing. When, uh, Matsu escapes, and... Are there birds in the cell or something?
0: The female gang leader, she's got, like, a weird crow motif for her, like, her outfit. Has crow feathers yeah. thrown in her neck. And she's got a cage filled with crows. And after she injects Matsu in the neck with that drug, she throws her in there with her crows.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yes. Okay, I remember. So, I, I think... I think I really just needed a good dream sequence. Was there one in the film? I don't think so.
0: Uh, nope. No. No dream sequences. Yeah.
2: Like in the first film, we got that really cool sequence where we got to see Matsu's story, and then it felt like the entirety of the second film was a, was a one huge dream <laughs> sequence, and then we get here, and it's just kind of like, mm-hmm. okay, cool, there are these fantastical elements still here. Um, like the fact that like, uh, the, like the matches being dropped downwards, and like... Um, sex workers like using matches to like light <laughs> under their skirts to keep warm I kind of really like that imagery and like the kind of um I don't know there was this weird uh type of ritualness to it I don't know if that makes sense or if I'm even using the right word I, I mean there's just absolutely nothing that really kind of took me the same way as if like um like that one story or like the song in the second film where they're ex- explaining everyone's crimes like there's there's nothing like that in this film. And I think that's what I desperately, desperately, desperately wanted. Um, I thought we were going to get it when Matsu was injected with the drug in her neck and we started hearing like, was it growling sounds? Maybe someone can explain that to me and it would make more sense. Uh, but like,
3: <laughs>
0: Well, it, it goes back to your complaint from the first movie. It was just bad foley work because yeah. I was supposed to be the crows making that noise but it was not Ooh. crow sounds at all
2: <laughs> oh okay gotcha <laughs> sick um but yeah I I don't think there was as much care put into like giving us that space I, I and again I think that's why I like the sewer scene the most because I think that's the closest where Matsu has like this heavy dripping like blue, dress and she's wading through blue water with like white bubbles and we get to see like the matches fall down like float down and she takes like a match and she lights it under her skirt like that's that's cool imagery that's cool imagery and I don't but like I don't think it was reflected in the rest of the scene it felt weirdly like too it felt (laughs) it felt too grounded and I don't think that's the word I would ever want to use for anything in this series
0: See, that's so funny with just how different our perception is with that. Mm. Because I thought at the the beginning of the movie, everything felt a little bit too vivid, I thought. Again, it could just be my perception, but that's why I thought maybe they were saying, like, this isn't... Even though she's out in the kind of, quote-unquote, real world, it's almost not a real world. Mm. That's why I thought, like, Yuki's there, like, Yuki's house that she lives in is, like, this horrible rundown piece of shit. Mm. In like her weirdo brother who's not really a real person anymore maybe that's a terrible thing to say but i thought they were kind of trying to parallel him with matsu is not really being a real person anymore but
3: mm.
0: so i thought it was an interesting way to take the surrealist direction where they're kind of putting it in the real world but in a way that was disconnected still but i i totally get what you're saying in terms of just seeing it as the regular world just a horrible version of it or Everyone's a piece of shit except for Yuki. (laughs) Matsu's kind of, like, she's not really a good friend. I mean, poor Yuki comes crying to her, like, please kill my brother. He keeps, like, assaulting me. And then Matsu just slaps her across the face. But
2: (laughs) I mean, I think the whole point of that was just, like, Matsu had to fucking... Like, I think the message of, of that one was, like, Matsu had to get fucking savage and hard, you know, to, like, live the world that she lives in or to like to live the, like she, she's she's the scorpion right so like she's had to lash out and I, I think it wouldn't feel fair if like she had to keep being a defender for Yuki or for any other woman in fact that's not to say that like <laughs> that's not to say I, I don't think that Yuki should have like killed her brother although I think in this film's point of view she definitely would have been justified in doing so mm-hmm. um, but like I don't think that definitely like I don't think the film is trying to be like oh there's like an embodiment of 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 like of of Matsu or Scorpion in like real life or whatever I don't even know what I'm saying anymore in real life anymore and like you shouldn't you shouldn't have to rely on like that figure to like fight your battles if you're if you're facing violence or whatever like you should be violent against things that are violent against you which I think is resonant within the entire series
0: yeah absolutely and I absolutely agree with the statement of I don't even know what I'm saying anymore because that's how I felt this whole time that's how I felt watching it honestly there was moments where I was like oh I'm really getting an idea of what the director is doing and then like two scenes later I'd be like I have no fucking clue what any of this is supposed to mean anymore it was Mm. super super frustrating
1: oh yeah by the way Caleb I apologize I completely forgot to answer your question of um with the, the whole spiel of your brother can you uh, ask the question again
2: of my brother
1: uh, no of, of Caleb when he was talking about um, Yugi's brother and he went on the whole not tired ty- but he went on the whole thing of like his brother did her brother did something um, please remind me what that was
0: oh God um...
2: the brother sexually assaulted Yugi I'm pretty sure you heard that
0: yeah okay but are you asking
1: was it about my general thoughts of the brother? Or was it one of the... Because you you went on a whole, like... Well, there was a scene here that I was confused by, and then you asked me what it meant, and I kind of did redirect the conversation temporarily, and then we went off on a whole other tangent. Now I'm trying to re... (laughs) um, uh, actually answer your question (laughs) properly.
0: Was it perhaps about the snail? Maybe, yeah. Because I was saying before how I thought the snail was, like, kind of supposed to be some sort of light to Matsu about how... humanity is still possible even though you're kind of fucked up (laughs) but that's nice i don't know if it was about that (laughs) well
1: that's interesting
3: Hmm.
0: again i'm i'm fucking reaching here i mean i've got no fucking clue at all but
1: (laughs) yeah i think my uh my you know snail equals the brother's condition is probably as close as i'm gonna get but I, i really like that um idea of yours I I guess so, maybe.
0: I mean to be fair, I might be giving Shun Ito a little bit too much credit from what I could tell from behind the scenes. I didn't get to watch all the extras for this, but I know that him and Mako um, Kaji were having a bit of kind of artistic differences with this movie where he was like wanting to go in a completely different direction than she was wanting to go in. So the two of them were kind of fighting on this movie.
1: Hmm. Maybe that's why this film had a uh, had a weird uh, structure to it, almost. Or narrative. Yeah, he
0: was talking in the extras how he was... Um, yeah. God, it's been a while since I listened to these. He was saying how he wanted Matsu to be, like, basically like a demon embodied in this movie. And she was kind of scared of the idea and wanted to humanize the character a little bit more. So maybe that's why it feels super imbalanced
1: <laughs> all of a sudden this movie makes sense
0: <laughs> yeah, i guess i should have mentioned that earlier but i haven't listened to the extras in like a year so ever since i bought the
1: wow. blu-ray <laughs> wow that's that's amazing <laughs> now uh where were we? what was i asking or going off on beforehand
0: yeah i did really want to talk about some of the violent sexual violence in particular in this film Go ahead. Because in the first film, there's that initial scene where Matsu, like, we see her flashback. And I would describe it as almost a beautiful sequence, even though there's sexual assault. It's just so well done. And the focus is so much, um, not so much on the act, but as much as how she's processing it. And kind of the hideousness of the the men behind it. This movie, like, there's that scene where Yuki gets assaulted with the golf club. Mm -hmm. And all the scenes with the brother and that fucking creep neighbor. They just left a bad taste in my mouth in a way that most kind of rape-revenge exploitation does. But I didn't really feel with this series in the same way, so I was just curious what you guys thought about that. Especially that golf club scene. There's something about that scene in particular that I just do not... I I just don't like that scene at all.
2: (laughs) Is it because you play golf? (laughs) And you relate to it? (laughs) Uh.
1: I'm
0: no, I'll tell you the exact reason I don't like that scene. I can point it down to the second. There's one fucking guy who's holding on to Yuki, and the whole scene he's licking his teeth, like he's got this big grin, and he's like rubbing his oh, tongue on yeah. his teeth. And it puts me oh. off so much that I just it turns me off the entire scene. So <laughs> it's that one fucking extra. Yeah. He ruined it for me.
2: Well, I think I think that was the point, right?
0: Yeah, no, that that's fair. That's fair. I guess the other scenes felt justified. That one just felt a little exploitative in a way that I that I found so off-putting. That I turned against the scene. So,
3: mm-hmm.
1: Well, it was... I find that both the Gulf Club Scene and the abortion scenes were very graphic.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Which, I, don't, I don't want to say like maybe much more graphic, but certainly unpleasant, I'll say that.
0: Yeah, like, this, this franchise has always been super violent, and there's been lots of sexual violence. But I didn't feel like it was as much of an issue um, with the other two as it was in this movie for me. But it could just be that I wasn't enjoying the movie in the same way as I was the other two, so I couldn't uh, get past it, perhaps. But
2: I think it was just because it came out of nowhere. Like, yeah, the like, no violence is justified in the first two films. But, like, cops being shitty to prisoners? Yeah, okay, we get that power dynamic. But when you get to the real world, the quote unquote again, um, it's just like everyone, every man is a shitty human being to a woman for no reason at all, except for like maybe the fact that they're just misogynist. But like, it, 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 it there was no, like when they were when they started picking on that woman on the street, like when she was just, um, when she was just just hustling basically, um, I was just like, there's no justifiable reason for this, like, they. They just picked on her for tonight for absolutely no reason, which I guess can happen, but it's just like, okay, so what am I supposed to get out of this? Out of a character that I don't really care for, which is the sex worker, but like I genuinely feel like I, I'm on her side. I guess it's like a bunch of men who are just like, you know, just awful for no apparent reason, you know?
0: Well, to, to be fair, I mean, in Jailhouse 41, there was that bustle to just random tourist people who are absolutely horrible and rapists themselves every every single male character we've we've met so far in this series has been this way so okay (laughs) i mean it's pretty uh pretty par for the course Mm. i I will spoil this actually until we get to the fourth film the fourth film we meet one singular male character who's not a horrible rapist so oh that's nice (laughs) that's that's
1: something (laughs) that's great actually (laughs)
0: I like that. But I actually found it frustrating because the fourth film's not directed by Shuna Ito And I thought his whole point with this franchise, at least these first three, was about kind of the female's existence in a world that's against her, like one hundred percent. So I mean I thought that was kind of the point. But <laughs> mm. and again it's supposed to be more symbolic than literal, but but yeah, for whatever reason in this movie it just it turned me off more than it did the first two. I'm not entirely sure why but I'm not entirely sure why with a lot of this film so
1: <laughs> well with those with those, um, Yakuza I guess I can call them that because they were a gang so perhaps I guess it could be Yakuza who knows you know they're also a structured organization similar to the cops and the hmm. um, prison guards in the first two films so again there's a power dynamic there I, I guess so they're also scumbags Again, I'm just grasping at straws here. That's that's what I would go with.
0: No, yeah, I could see that. I mean, the women there, except for the leader, the crow lady or whatever.
1: <laughs> Who I really thought was a guy.
0: Yeah, and, th- and I think that was the intent. I think it was supposed to seem that way.
2: Yeah, I think they were trying to do like a drag queen kind of thing going on.
0: Yeah. Wasn't the only one. Got it. Yeah, what do you guys think about the prison sequence with that character, by the way?
1: Well, hello there, person that we've known for two films.
0: <laughs> yeah, she was like, Matsu, you made my life a living hell in the jail, but I was like, uh, I don't think was really making any- anyone's life a living hell. I mean, she was just kind of doing her own thing, but... Yeah. Yes, your character was
1: very memorable in, that first, in the first movie, <laughs> during that part when...
0: Yeah, and how do you guys... I mean, I thought it was absolutely absurd that the whole climax of this movie, before that kind of epilogue was the fact that police were all chasing after matsu but then somehow matsu gets herself booked for arsony for three months i was like what the fuck like this doesn't make any sense at all (laughs) like even in the kind of surrealist vibe of these movies like you'd figure if she got booked that they would recognize that that's matsushima nami like i mean come on
1: yeah that's a good point (laughs) But maybe she used her supernatural powers and was able to fool everybody. After, you know, the cops completely last crusaded her.
2: They did do that. <laughs> at
1: least somebody got that reference. I guess technically they... I guess last crusade stole from this movie. Good sequence, though. I kind of like that that whole scene of just, like, in the sewer and then all that fire comes at her. It's like, that's, that's pretty cool. I like that.
0: Oh, yeah. I love, I love how she, like, rose up out of, like, the remnants of it, too.
1: Like, she's, like, barely...
0: She's such like a weird ghost character. It's so strange. Bending the rules of reality. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes it seems like they're portraying her as supernatural, and then other times it's not. It's kind of uh, frustrating. But uh, there's only there's only one more note that I didn't mention yet. So in this one, I don't think either of you guys will care about, but I just have to mention it. So there's a detective that comes in like halfway through the movie. He's kind of heavy set. He's, uh, I think his character's name is Detective... Um,
1: is he the assistant to the uh, primary uh, armless detective? The assistant to the primary armless detective, yeah. Okay. halfway through.
2: That guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, actually, I did write it down.
1: He who has a name.
0: Yeah, Detective Yamashita. That guy was portrayed by uh, Koji Sekiyama. Um, but that guy actually showed up in a ton of Gamera films from the show era. Cool. So when i saw him i was like hey it's my buddy like he played a bunch of different characters in the gamma movies so i was very excited to see him but it was one of my few highlights in the latter half of the movie Hmm. so that's my last note so if you guys have anything else i i've got nothing but
2: (laughs) (laughs) um i don't know i just out of out of the three films of the series i just didn't like it i just didn't like this one i was just Again, I think it's echoing everything, where it's just like, I just wasn't pulled back into that place. And there's just too many things where I was just like, oh, okay, this is just awful. And there's nothing cool visually for me to look at to try to justify it, you know? So. Mm
1: -hmm. Isaac? What did you guys think of the ending sequence? Let's go with that.
0: Uh, Do you mean, like, her final vengeance against the crime boss?
1: Or... Uh, against the crow lady and um the detective
0: yeah i mean i I will say actually from the little bit that i've read of the comics which is about six volumes that moment felt very much out of the comics because there matsu almost always kind of pushes other prisoners in a direction that they would do the things that she wants to get done so I was like, oh, in this way, it, it feels like a good honoring of the comics, but in terms of the movies, it didn't do anything for me at all. So it just felt like a kind of standard revenge plot. So that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> How about you?
2: When you, when you say that, who are you referring to?
0: <laughs> yes, you. My name's not you. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I was talking to you, Isaac, because I thought Michaela kind of gave her funny thoughts, but... <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, I, th- that that ending, though, um, I am very much reminded of what Michaela said in the first one, in our first recording, about how she was a little upset with how uh, the way Matsu dealt with all uh, the collaborators of her arrest and or sentence, especially the boyfriend, that's like, that's it. This felt kind of like what you wanted, almost, Michaela, of, like, somebody else killing... Um, Hmm. her nemesis of this movie and then her nemesis just went mad and I think that is kind of what you wanted
0: It's hmm. not quite the impression I got but
1: <laughs> that's, that's fair but I, I very much enjoyed that that part of the girl lady stabber fiber wiring the uh, detective and him trying to like you know sound the alarm and then all of a sudden it's Matsu it's like uh oh
3: Oh, no,
0: that's fair. I'm glad you like that.
2: Um, okay, I so this is kind of different than the than the the point you're trying to make, but I think I know why I am so dissatisfied with this film. <laughs> um, and part of it is yes, there wasn't enough visually for me there. There wasn't I wasn't taken to a place. Yes, I'll say that again. But like when <laughs> when Isaac said, "Hey," I remember when Michaela said, uh, "Like she just wasn't satisfied with the way that." Matsu dealt with her perpetrators and like I remember I was just like oh the boyfriend deserved way more than that rather than to just get like be killed yeah but like uh I think I think that's what I wanted I think I wanted Matsu to kill every single fucking man in this film (laughs) where I I wish it was that ridiculous you know I wish it it pushed the envelope but you know okay I kind of in my head I think there's this head there's this headcanon that I'm comparing um matsu to john wick for whatever reason and there's there's no there's no sticks there's no bones for me to stand it upon but for me there is uh this image of or like this parallel between the both of them right and so i don't know if you guys have watched the whole entirety of the john wick series
0: yeah michilla i just gotta say because you haven't listened to the first episode yet after you signed off last time, me and Isaac went on this big jag about John Wick and how they're connected, so...
2: <laughs> oh, okay, great, great. So, you can edit it and it can sound like we're totally on the same page here. But, like... Okay, so, so, but you guys watched all three of them so far, yes?
1: Mm-hmm. We have. Okay. Didn't read that comic, though. Okay,
2: so, you know how in, like, the first film it's like, okay, John Wick can't possibly come back into his regular life uh, in the same way that Matsu can't really go back to not being the scorpion and being this badass bitch. Um, who, you know, just janks a bunch of men. Um, and then the second film for John Wick, it's John Wick versus New York. And that's great because it's like, what the fuck? Um, and in the same way, it's like, okay, Matsu is going to go on this weird fever dream with a whole bunch of ladies and keep killing men. That's super cool. And then I think I was expecting John Wick 3, where it's like, oh my god, there's going to be dogs doing stunts. There's going to be, like, it's going to be, like, John Wick versus, like, the entire world or against the entire, like, assassin society or whatever. And I think I was really expecting, like, Matsu to be like, oh, Matsu's going to kill every single bad man on Earth and she is going to find one good man and, like, you know, protect him from that. Or, like, I expected something like that, but, like, the fact that... It was relatively tame compared to like the progression of films um, that we've watched so far. I think that's what really disappointed me the most.
0: Yeah, I can I can definitely relate. Unfortunately, but did, are are you guys about at final thoughts territory or?
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I totally am.
0: Yeah, me, me, me too.
2: Like that, that John Wick and anal- that John Wick comparison, totally out of my ass. Really.
0: <laughs> yeah, makes- <laughs> I think it is good. was pretty good. Thank you. When you listen to the the first episode, because like I said me and I was going up this whole jag we recorded it so we put it in as the extra so it's like a little stinger after the credits let's talk about John Wick (laughs) Uh, but I guess I'll start with final thoughts. Yeah I, I really wish this movie came together because I think there's lots of cool elements to it, at least for the first 45 minutes or so but then it just starts becoming kind of episodic in a weird way where it seems like scenes are just happening with no real cohesion to them. And that's a real shame, because the first two, even though the second movie I still don't really understand fully, I feel like it's just a couple more viewings and maybe I'll finally get it. This movie, I feel like I could keep watching it over and over again, and it wouldn't make any more sense than it does now, so... It's just kind of a second-tier kind of flick. Just kind of an afterthought. What what, what do you guys think?
2: Um, I'll go first with my final thoughts. I hated this film. The only redeeming quality, again, is the sewer scene. And the fact that the matches were very pretty against the sewer scene and the colors. Ooh, pretty colors. But everything else, I very much disliked.
1: And as for me, well, I did jokingly say, okay, well now... Matsu has not been. We haven't seen her in the real world in a while. So instead of another prison film, like she's in prison, except for the ending, let's um, let's put her on the streets uh, and meets Yuki from the first movie. Surprise. You, you know, I I guess I'm with Caleb right now. Of uh, of or first you and Caleb, because I so far I'm I wouldn't say enjoy, but it, it was it was nice to watch. Uh, From, like, you know, other viewings, I might not like it like he does, but I don't know fully. I only watched this once, even though I said I was going to watch it three times, and least Caleb did that. Uh, Smart for you to do that, but, no, I'm, um, I'm okay with it. Um, Are there problems? Yeah, no, I, I don't deny that, but thanks to you saying, like, all the or Caleb, thanks for you. Telling me like you know there was a disagreement between the creative staff amongst this film, it kind of makes the film like a little more sense in why it's. I don't know. It's 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 symbolism not come out and stand out as the previous two would. So is this Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome? <laughs> That's an interesting comparison, actually. Interesting. What do you think about that? I mean, you didn't, I think it was either the first commentary or the second commentary you mentioned how this is basically like, this film series is kind of like Mad Max, almost. There's
0: definitely a similar element, absolutely. Especially by the fact that the lead character is humanized by the secondary characters. That's very Mad Max, so. Have Have you seen any of those movies, Michaela?
2: Unfortunately, no. Uh, there's a whole bunch of movies I've been putting on the burner, but I just keep watching uh, *Pride and Prejudice* over and over whenever I do have the time.
1: Fair enough. You know what else was on the burner? That uh, that pot that that uh, lady threw on her husband. Yeah. <laughs> and burnt him alive. So. I love that scene by the way. I love the
0: fact that weird like pop music's playing as he's like flailing around and screaming. Oh yeah. That I was, was pretty like, Yeah, cool. fuck you, you deserve it. Girl like, boss you're kind of a piece of shit.
2: Girl boss indeed.
0: Ah, uh, but yeah, so that's kind of our uh, our last standing on female prisoner scorpion seven oh one be stable. I'm not sure if it's seven so... yeah, oh ones.
2: Yeah, before before ahead. before we end, why was it called Be Stable?
0: I have no clue no clue at all
2: (laughs) was it she was locked in for a period of time
0: yeah i was thinking like beast like her and the brother are kind of like these bestial elements in like stable that's why i was like oh stable you know it's kind of like a a placeholder like a purgatory but you can tell that i was completely bullshitting my my theories what this movie meant (laughs) like i had such a mystified idea of it before i came back to it i was like oh i I really have an idea what this movie is trying to say and I rewatched it, and I was like, "Oh no, wait! Only the first like maybe forty minutes. Hold up to that."
1: I remember Yuki line dropping uh, "beast" early on. I'm like, "Oh, there's the there's the title. That's why it's called it because you know, call me a beast when she was uh, referring to when she's having incestual sex with her brother." Oh. Uh, and I'm like, "Stable, stable, like." Um.
2: Like animals to the co- like, I mean, yeah. There's like a bunch of women being treated like animals. Sure, like. I, that's something, but like, um
0: yeah. It... I th- I think Isaac, like, me and you. Last time we talked, I even said like, "Oh should I spoil my theory is to see if you notice it." And like, yeah, my my theory completely does not hold water. Like this movie <laughs> completely <laughs> crumbles what I thought it was.
1: Oh yeah, from recorded on something. Yeah. That's right.
0: Okay. <laughs> so I'm I'm hugely disappointed. I gotta I gotta admit here. I was really looking forward to rewatching it. And the more I rewatch it, the more I was like, oh no, everything I thought is complete bullshit. Like, once again, my theories are completely up my ass. So. <laughs>
1: Sorry, man.
3: Sorry about
0: that. <laughs> oh, what can you do? But it was great chatting with you guys. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So. It <laughs> was always. So,
1: will we do the fourth one? That's the question.
2: I'd like to finish it.
1: I agree. We've come this far might sure. as well finish it why not absolutely
2: how many wait this is the last one
0: uh well no i'll i guess i'll quickly say this i've only seen the next one which is called um, female prisoner uh, 701 grudge fuck i can't speak right now i'm too drunk
2: grudge
0: it's called female prisoner 701 grudge song
2: that's awesome that's fucking awesome that's that is amazing <laughs> as
0: far as i know the kind of conflict with Shinio Ito and Mako Kaji ended up with him separating from the franchise, so a new director comes in for the fourth one. And then after that, she leaves the franchise, and then two other installments come out in the 70s, and I've never seen those, so. But I'm, I'm looking forward to finishing at least the ones with Mako Kaji, because Mako Kaji is just great.
2: There are so. other films? The other films don't. Wait, all of these films don't have don't have that actress? What?
0: Yeah, she only sticks around for four, and then in 76 and I believe 78, they make two installments with a new actress, and then they keep going for, I think, eight more installments with new actresses almost each time. Oh my. And most of them are softcore porn, so that's real strange. (laughs) Yeah, which I don't even want to imagine what those are. I've never sought them out because I don't want to see women in prison softcore porn. That sounds really grotesque. So interesting. <laughs> I already don't like women in prison flicks, but <laughs> but anyway. So I guess yeah, we'll we'll watch Grudge Song. Maybe we'll watch something in the interim. I don't know if you guys want to take a little break or if you want to keep going, but we'll see. But uh, any last words?
2: No, I I think it's it's as clear <laughs> as day that we have nothing cool to say about this film.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Well, tune in next time, folks, for something new. Peace. Bye. wine's so good oh man naked grape who knew I, I should have done our sponsor this episode isaac i fucked up naked grape shiraz for
3: relaxing times make it naked great times isaac are you still there